did you know, all right, here's the big question, did you know that you are an influencer? Just say yes, because you're important, okay? So you are important, you are an influencer, and you have people in your life that you influence. And so I want you to go to uh, Philippians chapter 2, and once you get there, I'm going to have you just pause for a minute, because I want to talk about influencers, okay, that are in society right now. Now, I'm just going off of numbers. It doesn't mean actual influence. Is that okay? Because honestly, some of the people that I've chosen have no influence in my life at all. And most of us would say the same, but I am fascinated. Okay, so I've got a couple of people up there. I decided on a few secular, a few non-secular, and I just went off of Instagram accounts, which I don't have one. But anyway, they consider that to be kind of the epitome of if you're an influencer or not. You all know what Instagram is? Say yes, unfortunately. Okay. Um, Anyway, I'm just kidding. But uh, here you see a couple of people. The Rock, who knew that he was that popular? I mean, come. I don't know. But anyway, he must say some really influential things. I don't follow him, and I didn't check his Instagram. But he is up to like, I don't know, close to 500 million people following him, which is like, what? There is a gentleman named, are you all into soccer? Just say yeah. It's one of those days. Just say yeah, and you're good. Um, he is Cristiano Ronaldo. Is that how you say his name? Yes. So I kind of knew who he was when I figured it out. He has the most Instagram followers in the world. So listen, if you want a good following, go play soccer, okay? Uh, Who knew? But anyway, he does, and uh, he seems to be very influential. And uh, then I took some Christian people, not realizing. I thought I'd get a different list, and I kind of have fun with myself when I'm preparing. And I came up with who I thought would be the top Christian influencers, not one of them on the list. So the top three right now is Tim Tebow. Can you believe that? He, like, played football for a hot second, and he used that. Think about this, though. I'm, I love Tim Tebow. I read his books. He, he played football for a hot second, and look what he's done in the world of Christianity. <clears throat> you might have done something for a hot second, and who knows if God could have used that hot second at that place of employment, at that situation, to do what Tim Tebow is doing today. And I did follow and look at some of the things that he's doing, and it's tremendous for the kingdom of God. There is also Sarah Jakes, as in T.D. Jakes Roberts. That is T.D. Jakes' daughter. She actually has the most um, followers in the kind of the Christian realm, and she's very influential, and I read a lot of what she's doing. It's tremendous, um, doing great things. And then there, obviously, Carrie Job. She's still doing it. Can you believe that? Where's Abby? Like, she's still, I can't believe she's still doing it. She is still being followed, and she's followed more than any other Christian artist right now. And also, did you know that Amy Grant sold 30 million CDs? Is that even possible? Okay, I won't say the one that just, I won't say it. Okay, there's a song that just cracks me up that she did. Anyway, we have the opportunity to be influencers. And I, and I wish that in the church we could believe that, hold on to it, and know it. And honestly, whether you like it or not, if people know that you're a Christian, you are an influencer. People are watching in your workplace what you say and what you do, how you respond and how you act. They're looking. They just are. Oftentimes I go places and they just want to see how I respond. They just want to see how I act. When they find out who I am, they just want to see the actions Not so much what's coming from or where it's coming from. I want you to think about it. I'm not a huge fan, so don't get on me if you're like, that isn't Wesleyan. I'm just using this quote. Is that okay? 
All right, good. Okay, so Charles Spurgeon, he said this, I believe that one reason why the church of God at this present moment has so little influence over the world is because the world has so much influence over the church. And you know, the church is you. It doesn't mean the denomination. It means you. I think that's a powerful statement. And I hate to have to agree, but I kind of agree. We, we should be influencing the world, not the world influencing us. What if we were the trendsetters? What if we were the ones that came up with the shirts that say, be kind? I didn't even know that could be a movement. I just thought that's who we are as Christians. And now the secular world has made a movement called Be Kind. And I wonder, well, didn't they see the church as kind? Didn't they see the church as love? And so today we're going to look at a passage from a great influencer. His name is Paul. Thank you. Somebody knew like... Um, but if you've got your Bibles, we're going to be in Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. And once you have that, if you would, please stand for the reading of God's Word. Now, I want you to think about a couple of words that are going to be falling into this passage. Some of them are so and any. So and any. So... If there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count. I want you to get this statement. Though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him, and bestowed on him the name that is above every other name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. God, today, these are powerful words. Many say this passage right here is the most powerful passage found in this letter. And so today, God, let the words come in power and in might. And God, let them drive us and draw us into your likeness, into your presence. We come against the enemy who constantly has a scheme and a plan to steal, kill, and destroy. And in this month, we're going to study and understand how the enemy has a desire to steal our influence as believers of Jesus Christ, as followers of the greatest love ever shown. And so today we come against the enemy in your power and we trust today in your presence to be made and known here 
And so, God, come and be with us in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen, amen. So I just want to take a moment and uh, look at the word any, okay? So A-N-Y, it's not really complicated, any. And so when you say any, you mean what? Yeah. So next week I say where anything that's red, it means anything that's red. And you'd be surprised how many colors right, and shades of red there are, because you all would come in very differently. But here, interestingly enough, he begins by saying, if so, if you have any type of sense in you or love for the Lord, if you have any encouragement, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affliction, any sympathy, be unified in love that comes from Jesus because he set an example and a tremendous one at that. And so I'm going to come back to that any at the end, but I want you to hold on to kind of Paul's plea here. It's a really big plea. It's strong. It's simple, and it's clear. I want to throw out a couple of things just to kind of guide you in a direction. Uh, C.S. Lewis said this, there is no neutral ground in the universe. It's just the truth. Now you can say, well, let's debate ground. No, I want you to think about this. There's no neutral ground in the universe. All ground is claimed by God and counterclaimed by the enemy. Every step you take, the enemy wants to take that step with you and flip it. The enemy is a good flipper. We are either in the space that God has or we're in the space that the enemy has for us. And as I get older, I'm recognizing there's very little in between. Genuine is the first thing. Genuine influence begins where the self ends. Now, many of you are going to say, hey, I'm past the day of being an influencer. No, you're not. No, you're not. In fact, I went to uh, Ashley's parents' house, and I'm fascinated by the influence that they have on my, on my children, on their grandchildren. Now, my oldest is starting to, like, enter into that kind of teenage year where dad is, like, not as important. It's heartbreaking. Like, I'm, I cried last night just the fact that I didn't get to put him in bed. I'm just a mess, and I don't know, like, parents, we should be a mess when we're not around our kids. Anyway, um, I'm fascinated by, I say something to Janae, and then Mimi says, how about you? So finally last week I said, Mimi, how do you do it? She said, well, I'm a Mimi. And you'll never be one. I said, okay, I hope not. And so anyway, I said, all right, well, there's some, I said the same thing. She said it as, honey, I was like, she don't need honey. I said, do it. You know what I mean? It's time to do this. And she said, it's just the way I do it because I'm a Mimi. And I said, well, I'm going to try to watch you and see if I can pick it up. But I don't care your age. You have influence. And you may say it doesn't matter. It definitely matters. And I think much of the way that Jesus will see you, hold you, and accept you will have to do with how you handled the influence that he gave you. And let's say it this way. The influence that he gifted you. The opportunities that he afforded you. I'm pretty sure are going to be the way in which you enter into the kingdom and presence of God. And so, Paul obviously making it clear here, and, and think about this, and I want to just kind of give you a little bit of background on this. Um, 
It's important for us to know that this letter, are you ready for this? This letter, okay, was written to what would be considered the first kind of established church in Europe. Paul established that church kind of at the end of his first missionary journey, second missionary journey, then read a letter to them about what was happening there. But it is tremendous to know that here is the first church being written to in Europe, and it's named after Alexander the Great's father, Philippi. And so here we're speaking to, and we're getting kind of a glimpse into the Philippians. And so Paul was saying, if you really want to be a great church, so AFC, if you really want to be a great church, we have to understand chapter 2. Of Philippians. We have to head out in 2023 in this same understanding that God gifted Paul to gift to the Philippians. So, where influence begins, selfish desires, ambition, whatever it may be, ends. Now, pause for a second. You know that's hard, right? So I'm standing up here, okay, and telling you, as a pastor, I read this, and I've been reading it for a long time, obviously, because most of us have what? We've read this over and over again. And it's hard to understand what Paul's saying here, meaning you and he begins, and that's where your influence starts. That's a hard scripture, because don't we daily battle with what we desire compared to what? You can say yes, because I'm pretty sure some, some of you do, right? He says, do nothing. (sighs) Do nothing. You ever met anybody that said, do nothing? That's not the kind of do nothing that we're talking about, okay? That's terrible, isn't it? Yeah. My grandmother had to do nothing, one of her grandkids. But anyway, um, she would say, don't be like do nothing. And everybody knew who that was. And so, oh, well, don't be that grandmom, okay? Be be me, me. But anyway, we're not talking about that. I didn't know I lost that. Internet. Okay. Do nothing from selfish ambition. He said basically you need to let go of you and embrace the you version that God has gifted you. In church, we, we act as though it's simple, but my goodness, if we're going with God, we're constantly letting go of the self. We're constantly saying, hey, I don't think, as a dad, I've learned that the more right? Selfish I am, the less influence I have. My greater ability to let go of my desires actually increases my connection with my kids because I make it about them. I have a goal. Whenever we go away, I focus all my attention My wife gets to sit aside and read and do her thing, and I focus all my attention on my kids. And then they bawl at the end, and I've told you this, and say, is it going to go back to the way it was? And they did it again. And I said, you know what, y'all, come on now, just enjoy what you get. And uh, I play their ridiculous games, I write all their stuff, and it's incredible. And I wouldn't give it up for anything. But you know what? We went back to Texas, and there's so many things I wanted to do, And Ashley said to me a couple of days ago, she said, why aren't we doing? I said, because they don't want to. And they're happy just to be in this living room doing what we're doing day after day after day. You know what, kids, you get up and do the same thing. You play the same game, just a different way, but it's the same game in my mind. 
But there's something that happens between you and that other person and then you and God. Have you ever let go of something you really, really wanted because of somebody else? And yet you have a feeling of loss and yet at the same time there's a tremendous feeling of gain. Church, this is what Paul's talking about. And if you want to be a person of influence, you have to be willing to do nothing. So are you willing to do nothing? And I think all of us would say we're willing, but it's hard. Are you willing to not share your opinion? Because you know in your heart it's contrary to God's mission. You didn't want me to make it real, did you? You want to make it real big? You know what I mean? Like, oh, I don't have kids in the home, so it's no big deal. What about your spouse? Your church? Your giving? Aren't you glad? You know, most churches, you know what they're doing right now? Stewardship. It's beginning of the year. Get your finances in line. Many of you don't have it in line, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let that go. Because you know what? When God is your only influence, I don't need to talk about stewardship. He said, do nothing. And church, I'm with you in this. Because as I share with Ashley some of the words that I was going to say, she said, well, that's hard for you. I said, I know. And she said, it's hard for me. And I said, I know. But if Paul said it, if Paul said it, and Paul lived it, and he was encouraging the first church in Europe to do it, then guess what it is? It's possible. It's possible. All right, second thing. Genuine influence continues with the mind. Did you know the mind is a strong thing? It is. Let's just be real, okay? So I'm kind of nuts. And I, you all know that, and some of you don't like it. Some of you do, and I'm not worried about that right now. But um, I can think something, like, really hard. Like yesterday, I was thinking about a lot of things, and I ended up dreaming about them. And then waking up and trying to figure out, was it real or was it not? Do you know what I mean? Like, because I thought my way into some scenario. Then I had a dream about it, and I woke up, and I was like, Oh, I'm home. Okay, so that didn't really happen, even though I thought, like, this is a possibility. I'm that nuts. Like, I will wake up screaming. My wife could tell you stories, but she's like, what were you thinking about yesterday? I was like, well, I was thinking about that. And so it so consumes me that I, you ever dream? Oh, come on now, y'all. You, have you ever thought through something and it's really on your mind and then you dream about it and then gracious sakes, and then you know it's really a problem, you know what I'm saying? Then you got to get on your knees and say, all right, Lord, this is consuming me. So last night I prayed and said, okay, Lord, this is consuming me. I need you to take it from me. Because the mind is a powerful thing. The heart is too. But there's something about that mind in our spiritual journey that stops our heart. And so Paul here focuses theologically on the mind. Because oftentimes the heart says, you know what we do? Well, you know, it's that heart feeling all compassionate. 
We've got to get it stopped because it doesn't work or go in line with. Interestingly enough, let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. So you take that statement out and it translates as P-H-R-O-N-E-O. We're not going to go there yet. But it has to do with intellectual activity based out of one's feelings and disposition. Now, I'm going to have fun with disposition, okay, in a second here. You know where I'm going with that. You just got to go with it. Think, think about this. In verse 6 of this passage, it says same amount. So Jesus and God had the same amount, okay? You ever been in like preschool or have children where you have to divide everything out the same? Or you, you're a teacher and it's like on accident you might have given five here and four here. Then they count and they say, no, you gave. Come on now, right? You younger, te- you gave and you didn't. I don't know how you all do it. But at home, we pass out snack and I don't know what it is because I love my kids, but not during snack, bath, or teeth, okay? Um, none of that. Or car getting. Gracious sakes, I don't like getting in the car. And anyway, that's why I avoid like leaving at the same time. Um, but think about it. My kids, right, if I put out four M&Ms here, five here, seven here, and six here, you know what erupts, right? I mean, come on now. If you go in a classroom and you give ten here, eight here, seven here, six here, things are going to go south. What's interesting is that never changes. You know what I'm saying? Like, we always want equal treatment, which is okay. But interestingly enough, Paul says here, Jesus was equal to God in all things. Power, glory, might, ability, strength, and he gave it up. He emptied, in fact, it actually says in all translations, it says, yet, yet, same, yet, he emptied himself. So, I'm pretty sure, I know in my life, that the words and example, ministry, Steps of Jesus are tremendously influential. I tell new Christians, I want you to get a Bible with red letters and read the New Testament, just the red letters. Because you'll find yourself in a mental state that is different than where you are presently. Because Jesus had tremendous influence. And yet... He did that by emptying himself of the equality with God. Interestingly enough, not only did he release it, but he basically said it's not something to be coveted after. So you go to this word, you can skip to that slide, the P-H-R-O-N-E-O. Are any of you like good, like you say those words well? I'm going to start calling on you. Who said it? Look at y'all. See? Gracious, I feel really dumb. Okay. Um, at least I, I understand them, I guess. Um, but think about this. This intellectual activity, but it has to do with your feelings and your disposition. So, Jesus changed. We don't like to say that. But he did. He, it says in scriptures, he emptied himself of all that he had and came. We just celebrated that over Christmas. So you can't tell me today that you can't change in 2023. You can. Jesus did. True Christian 
true, Christian influence occurs when our disposition changes. Y'all know what a disposition is? Now listen, if I were in the ghetto, I'd say it one way, but since I'm in first service, I'll say it a different way. Is that okay? Or y'all want the ghetto way? Sometimes, I just, it's just funny, like, I don't need to meet you or know you. I can just look at you and I know your disposition. And don't tell me, okay, good holiness people, that you don't have those moments as well. Where you look at someone and they say hi to you and you just know that you know that you know that they're joyful, that they're kind, that they're whatever it may be. There is just something about our disposition. And then as you get to know people, you understand their disposition. That's just who they are. That's just the way they are. In church, we're so good at giving that away. Disposition is evidenced by those around us. And the disposition of Jesus was evidenced by those that were around him. Encounters with Jesus changed people. And sometimes, unfortunately, changed them in a way that they weren't willing to receive what Jesus had to say, communicate. But people changed Think about your disposition. What is it? If people who really love you described you, what, what would they say? How would they describe you? Oftentimes, those that know and love us most describe us the best. And sometimes can be the hardest. But think about this. The disposition of Jesus changed. He went from the same amount emptied, not something to be coveted. The third thing. So in this week, I want you to think about your disposition. Genuine influence requires a lack of prerogatives. You know what a prerogative is? Y'all don't know? You young people, are, we don't use that word much anymore. My grandmother, boy, does she use that. It's my prerogative to watch days of our lives while you throw up. It's my right to be who I am. No lie. I'm scarred, you all just know, but I'm over it, just so you know. But I was sick one time. She was the only one to be able to pick me up. And she said, boy, don't you mess up days of our lives. You shut that door when you throw up because the bathroom was right next to the television. And so she smoked her cigarette, and I threw up, and she screamed, I told you. And I said, I can't help it. But anyway... I said, can I just go outside and do it? She said, it's the middle of winter. Your parents will blame me for getting worse. And so anyway, um, but some of us just say, it's my prerogative to be who I am. Choice. They are the hardest people. Not for me. Not for their loved ones to change. For God to change. Because if you can vocalize that, You know how hard it is not to have prerogatives? Whew. Come on now, y'all. It's hard. But why are we starting the year out with this? Because it's so important. It's so important. Prerogatives kill the influence of Christ, especially when they're not in line with Jesus. 
And then not only do they kill the influence of Christ, they begin to kill you slowly because you become more statue-like, more hardened, more hopeless, further from, because Christ is just ever-changing and change is hard for us. The message is the same the avenues tend to be different. So a prerogative is a right or privilege exclusive to a particular individual or class. It's honestly what society is trying to eliminate. And prerogatives were eliminated by Christ. Just in the act of accepting the call to come to earth, he gave up, emptied, and he came. First, Jesus, though in the form of God, or let's go with what the NIV says, puts it in a very nature of God. He did not hang on to his divine prerogative. He had a divine prerogative, and he let it go. So I guess the question is this year as well, if you have a desire to be influential for Christ, are you willing to eliminate some of your prerogatives? And I mean this. Some of the things that just get under your skin that shouldn't get under your skin, maybe if it didn't get under your skin, you might just be happier. You might just be more connected to Christ. You might just be more likable to other people. You know what I can't stand? When people say, I just want to play the devil's advocate. Don't even use his name. I'm just being honest with you. The world gives him enough credit. Let's not give him credit. Let's not use his name. Let's not be that. Because if it's kingdom business, then it has no place. See, our prerogatives say, eh, I'll serve when I want to. I'll give when I can. I'll be there if it's, I'll do devotions with my kids if, I'll pray with my wife when. I'm not really, you know me. You know who knows you really well? It's Christ. Jesus emptied himself of glory. And we empty ourselves of blank so that we can be filled with Jesus. And if you want to talk about a prerogative, shouldn't our prerogative be to have more and more of Jesus, more and more of his presence, more and more of his glory, more and more of his goodness, his graciousness, his mercy, his love, So, this has no point. So if you're writing one, two, three, this is off topic, okay? This is a passage that if you look at even um, three Beacon Hill holiness uh, commentaries ago, you will find that they define this passage 
as the passage that defines Christian unity. So now I want you to think of this in a different way. Okay, first I I challenge you with those three points to adjust your personal. But when you adjust your personal, then it affects the global. Because we're fortunately a part of a global denomination. So unity. Wherever there is true inward feeling, there is a corresponding outward manifestation. So when you truly feel something, it truly comes out. When you don't truly feel something, it's not going to come out. Well, yes, it is. I've been faking it for years. You have, but most people know that you've been faking it, especially those right next to you. They just don't want to admit it. But man, if you really mean it, you don't actually have to do anything. It's just who you are. And so Paul was pleading to the people, if any If any, (sighs) unity in the church only impresses the world. Think about this. Unity in the church only impresses the world. The spirit of self only reminds them of the world. And it reminds Christians of the brothers of Joseph. In fact, we can go all the way back to Cain and Abel. And I mean, really, we could spend all day saying what disunity did from the first moments of deciding to step away from unity with God's hopes and plans. And it's still destroying. And so Paul came in and he spoke these tremendous words about unity. And really it boils down to this. Souls minding the same thing. Because technically when you come here and you worship together, it's your soul. It's your soul that we're most concerned with. Because it is what's eternal. It is where peace resides. It is where unity is. It is where love is manifested. Grace is afforded. Mercy is experienced and given. And so, Paul said, you're the first church, I'm, is it okay to summarize? You're the first church in what's going to be called Europe. Y'all need to come together. Come together. Oh, yeah. Just thought I'd throw in a little song for you, you know what I mean? But imagine, because you know what the world's calling for right now for us to come together. But their morals and our morals are different. And so why don't we come together in unity, in encouragement, in love, in affection, in sympathy, in joy, in the same mind, and being of full accord just as Jesus did, emptying ourselves so that it is possible. And so church, your challenge is to take those three things and adjust your heart and your mind so that you can create a space for him to really come 
and bring unity between you and the Spirit, you and each other, and really impress the world so that when they look at AFC, they say, my goodness, no matter who I talk to, it's the same song. It's a song of joy, of love. My father-in-law, we were driving this week, and it hit me, and I thought, I told him what I was going to be, actually, he's preaching today too, and um, his pastor's sick, and uh, he drove by this hair salon. You ever been to a hair salon? Did you know I used to have to get my hair cut, but then the Lord took it? You know, I forget about that. I'm like, oh my goodness, people spend money on that? Anyway, I don't let my life do it. So anyway, uh, we were driving by this hair salon, and he said, you know, the Lord called me to come here one day. And I said, why? I said, don't you go to the, because I know where he goes. And he said, well, yeah, but the Lord put on my heart that the church was gossiping about the church in this hair salon. I said, did you know? He goes, no, the Spirit of God told me. He said, I walked in there, and I said, I want to talk to the owner. And the owner came out. This is so brave and bold. I'm telling you. I was like, all right, go ahead. In his suit, because, you know, back then you went everywhere in your suit. And he walked in and said, I just want to sit down with you in love. And I think there's a lot of awful things being said about our church. And I said, what happened? He said, she began to weep. I said, what? He said, she began to weep. And she said, you're right. And it's not right. And I can tell those hearts aren't right. It's like, well, good for you. And he said, guess what ended that day? Gossip at that hair salon. Because he went to the root instead of chasing the branches. I said, well, you go, boy. I'll never do that, but you go for it. <laughs> Church, imagine if they knew us for our unity and for our love for one another. Because love for one another speaks volumes to others. But it's going to take all of us. It's going to take all of us. God, today, grow us in unity. Grow us in affection. Grow us in love, in compassion. God, we even think today of those that need that. Think about Dixie today and others. As our love grows, I can't help but think how attractive that is. Because see, for us, the root is you. And you're an endless, you're an endless outpouring. And so today we thank you. Today we ask that as we go out, we would really take it to heart, think on it, pray on it, apply it, and allow it to change us. Because God, I believe this. I believe that as it changes us personally, it will change AFC. And God, we're ready to be more like you. So we trust you. We love you. We pray your grace and mercy would go out with us. We thank you for each person that's here. Encourage them, strengthen them in their journey. Each person has a journey they're encountering that's hard. That's good. That's joyous. We just pray that you would be in each and every one of those. We love you. We honor you. And uh, go out with us. Be with our Sunday school classes as we share in your word. 
And uh, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you all. Have a tremendous afternoon. Thank you so much for being here.